Hey everyone, welcome to Rolling Hills Online. Wherever you are in the world, we're glad that you're joining us today. In addition to our online campus, we have two physical locations in Franklin and Nolensville. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you in person. If this is your first time joining us, we would like to invite you to check out our new here page at rollinghillscommunity.org. Here, you can find out more about who we are, what we believe, and what to expect when worshiping with us. If you've been with us before and want to find out how to get involved, please visit our Next Steps page. This is where you can learn more about baptism, partnership, missions, community groups, and more. If you're joining us live, we encourage you to jump into our chat. This is a great way to connect with our online community and further discuss today's message. In addition to the chat feature, you will find today's sermon notes and a link to the Bible so that you can follow along. Have something that you would like for us to pray with you about? Click the prayer request link at the bottom of the page. We would be honored to join you in prayer this week. If you feel called to partner with us financially, you can give online through the giving page of our website. Your support allows us to continue this opportunity to share the message of Christ around the world. So thank you. Again, welcome to Rolling Hills. We hope that you feel at home. From beginning to end, He is the same. From dawn to dusk, from death to life, He is eternal. He is sovereign. He is our teacher, our healer, our provider, our redeemer. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. So excited about today, just excited about what God's teaching us. We're in this great series just called Jesus, right? Name above all names. And we've said there's been a lot of great names throughout history, but there is one name that is above all the other names, and it is Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, which literally means salvation. And, and I love that because there's Jesus walking around. Hi, I'm salvation. I'm salvation. And that's what we find in Jesus. Now we have a memory verse for this series. I'm going to put it up on the screen and now I want us to read it aloud together, okay? Are you ready? Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Isn't that an awesome verse? I mean, it just says there's no other name given to man by which we must be saved. It all comes down to Jesus. So in our series so far, we've talked about Jesus is eternal. And if you've missed any in, these, in this series, you can go on the website, you can watch the podcast and just take some notes because God is teaching us so much. But Jesus is eternal. And we're studying the gospel of John and where John's gospel begins with, in the beginning was the word. John goes all the way back to Genesis. Matthew and Luke, they begin with the birth narrative of Jesus physically being born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Mark begins the gospel of Mark with Jesus' earthly ministry. But John goes, Jesus has always been. He is eternal. And the good news for us is this. If he's always been, he'll always be. Right? He is the Alpha and Omega. No matter where we go in life, no matter what we're facing in life, Jesus is there. <laughs> Last week we talked about Jesus is sovereign. He is sovereign over all. He is in control. And so no matter what we're facing in life, we can just go, God's got this. God's got this. There's not a place he hasn't been. There's not a thing he hasn't faced. God hasn't conquered death, the greatest big bully on the block that we've ever seen. He's conquered it. He is sovereign. 
And today we're talking about this, Jesus' teacher. And next week it's healer. And teacher and healer really kind of define Jesus' earthly ministry. And so we're going to unpack that today. And then we'll talk about Jesus being provider. And on Palm Sunday, redeemer. And then on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. And we're just going to celebrate. It's Easter, right? So I hope you're ready and I hope you're excited. But today we're talking about Jesus' teacher. And this was a big deal back in this day, right? Teaching. There was a lot of information. There was a lot of teaching. There was a huge Greek influence. Uh, so, you know, all the reasoning and all the teaching and the Socrates and the Plato and the Aristotles and all. You know, a lot of influence about teaching and information. The Jews were big on teaching. And when Jesus came, there was something different about the way he taught. You know, our day and our time, there's a lot of information, isn't there? I mean, anytime you turn on CNN or Fox News, not only are you watching the news and what's happening, but you got a scroller going across the top, you got a ticker going across the bottom, and you're like, okay, I've got a lot of information here. You're trying to process everything. You've got Google, you've got Siri, you've got all this information. It's not about information at some point. And Jesus steps into the world back then, and Jesus steps into our world today and says, there's something more, and there's something different. And he takes it. And he moves it from the head to the heart. Jesus, the teacher. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels that all talk about Jesus, his earthly ministry, his teaching, his miracles. And we're walking through John right now. And we're going to be in John chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, we have some free Bibles. We'd love to give you a Bible. There's some Bibles in the back. Just take one. That's yours. Uh, also, maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the Scripture. Or we'll put the Scripture on the screen. You can follow along with what God's Word has to say. Now, before I get to John, you can turn there and just kind of put your finger there. I, I want to show you that this is so important to Jesus' ministry. Jesus came to teach. He came to reveal God's word to us, to understand how to live. And I love that because God didn't just wind the world up and say, hey, you guys go figure it out, right? He, he, he said, here's my revealed word. So the first five books of the Old Testament were called the Torah, or the Jews would say the teaching. This is the teaching. And, and so they would be living by the teaching, the revealed word of God. And so when Jesus came, one of the first things he did was he called his disciples, right? Jesus was baptized and he had the temptation. And if you're in the Gospel of Matthew, he calls his disciples together and he goes up on a mount and he has a teaching. He has the Sermon on the Mount. And chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew are the longest sermon that we have from Jesus. And in that, Jesus will say multiple times, right? He gives the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, and you know, happy, this is the way you're to live. But then he'll say, hey, you have heard it said, do not murder. Where does that come from? That's the Torah, right? The Old Testament, right? One of the big ten, one of the big ten commandments. Or he said, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But Jesus will say then, but I tell you, see, he's taking it a step further, right? But I tell you, not only do not murder, but if you have anger in your heart towards somebody. See what he's doing there? He says, hey, 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 let me tell you, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you've lusted after somebody in your heart. So what he says is, hey, I didn't come to abolish the law. This was revealed in the Word of God. I came to fulfill it. I came so that it would change you, that it would transform you, that there would be something different in you. 
This is powerful, and this is what Jesus did, and this is what Jesus still does for us today. So if you read through Matthew, you can read through the Sermon on the Mount, and you can see how Jesus taught. If you go to Luke, you can see how Jesus taught in parables. And parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus would teach, and he would take these earthly stories. Now, for all of you who are parents, or, or, or for you who are teachers, you know that when a student or a child discovers something on their own, that's that aha moment, right? That's when they got it. And Jesus was the master teacher at this. He would tell a story, and he'd talk about a farmer, or he'd tell a story about a man with two sons, and, and the people are listening, and then all of a sudden they would go, aha, got it, you know? And they're internalizing this. It's like the light bulb goes on, and Jesus was the master teacher at that. In Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, this is, this is awesome, but Mark starts out with Jesus' earthly ministry. And in Mark chapter 1, I want you to see this, Mark chapter 1, verse 20. We'll come back to John. Don't worry. We'll be back there in a second. But right here, it says, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So Jesus goes up to Capernaum, this is, you know, town on the Sea of Galilee. Every place would have a synagogue, like a church building, you know, where the Jews would go and celebrate Shabbat, where they would study the teaching, and then their kids would be in Sunday school, they would be learning, you know, and, and uh, so Jesus goes in there into the synagogue, and he begins to teach. Now watch this. He's teaching, he's teaching, and then we come to verse 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority, exclamation point. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. They're saying something's different. Something is different in the way Jesus is teaching. We've been in church or synagogue all of our life. We've heard this over and over again, but there is something different. Now, for some of you, you've grown up in church, right? And, and, and you've read the Bible a lot of times. Think about that phrase. They were all so amazed and they said, what is this? Now tie back with me to the Old Testament, okay? The Old Testament, you remember when the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt? And they had no help or no hope. I mean, Egyptian army, they're slaves, right? And God delivered them. God sent 10 plagues. And finally, Pharaoh goes, you people go. Your God is greater, right? And they walk out of Egypt. They walk out of this land of slavery. And the people give them food. And they give them all their, you know, clothes and jewelry. It's crazy. I mean, they just loot the people as they walk out. And they're on their way to the promised land. And they're getting ready to go into this land that God has given them. But before they go in... They go, huh, I wonder, I wonder if we can make it in there. I wonder if there's like other armies in there. And so they send these 12 spies in there. You remember this? And 10 of the spies come back and go, no way. And there are giants in that land. And they will kill us. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, come back and go, are you kidding me? God just delivered us from Pharaoh, Egyptian army. God's calling us. Let's go. I mean, these guys had courage. I love people with courage. They were brave. They're like, we're following God. God is with us. Let's go. But what did the people do? They were like, oh, no, there's no way we can do it. And they rebelled against Moses. And so God says, okay, you're going to wander around the desert for 40 years until this entire unbelieving generation dies off. So for 40 years, they're in a desert. Now, what grows in a desert? Nothing, okay? So you got a million people in a desert. How is God going to take care of his people? Well, here's the incredible part, right? He does. 
He provides water from a rock. You know, so there's water, there's these streams, these places where they can go and get water. And then they wake up one morning and they walk outside of their tent, you know, and there is this dew-like substance on the ground and they start picking it up and it's manna. And God feeds his people for 40 years. But the first time they saw manna, you know what they said? What is this? Go back and look it up in the Old Testament. What is this? You see what's happening here? God was saying, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna nourish you. And when Jesus comes and he begins to teach, the people say, what is this? It's nourishing our soul. It's nourishing our spirit. There is something different here. There's something that I want. Wow. So you can imagine people are flocking to hear Jesus. And it created a big stir. So pick up here in John chapter 3. Go to verse 1. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. All right, so we got this guy, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was famous back then, okay? I mean, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. The Pharisees, there were only 6,000 Pharisees, but these were the most religious guys that you've ever seen. I mean, these guys were the ones who were, you know, always in church. They were the ones who kept every law, every rule. They were as legalistic as they come, all right? Now, you, to become a Pharisee, had to make a vow that you were going to keep all the laws in the Old Testament. 613 laws, by the way, in the Old Testament. But not only were you going to keep the laws in the Old Testament, you were going to keep all the laws that the rabbis had come up with. Because here's how it works, right? I mean, there is a law that says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You guys are doing great at that. Way to go. You're here. Good job. Good job. So we're doing that. We're keeping that. But the rabbis came along and said, hmm, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What does that mean? So can you do work on the Sabbath? Well, probably not, because that's not keeping it holy. So, but how do you define work? Like if you carry something, when does it become work? Like how heavy does it have to be? And so there were rules about how much weight you could carry on the Sabbath. Not only that, walking, does that become work? I mean, when does it become physical that you're walking? And so there became rules about how far you could walk on the Sabbath. You see what they're doing? They're putting more and more rules. So there was over 2,000 laws by the time they kept putting these rules in place. Now we look at that and go, that's so legalistic. We would never do that. Maybe you grew up in a time and you remember the blue laws, right? And you couldn't shop on Sunday. Where did that come from? I don't know. I haven't seen that in here. But, uh, you know, or you grew up, and I grew up in a family, and, uh, you know, there were people that would talk about, hey, we can't play cards, or we can't go to movies. I'm like, really? Where does it say that? You can't play cards, you can't go to movies. I don't know. But you see what they're doing? It's fence building, isn't it? We don't want to break this law. So if we build some fences around, and we put more and more fences, then we won't even get close to breaking this law. The Pharisees were specializing in this. They had so many rules. And so here's this guy, Nicodemus, and he's a Pharisee. Not only is he a Pharisee, he's a part of the Jewish ruling council. Now, the Jewish ruling council is 70 men, and this is like the Jewish Supreme Court. Okay, they are the ones who ruled over the people. So this guy, I mean, he is wealthy, he is a scholar, he knows all the rules, he knows all the laws, People know him, and look what he does in verse 2. He came to Jesus. Now, I can't stress this enough about how powerful this is because Jesus was like a homeless 
teacher. You know, he's walking around teaching. And here's this guy who's got money and success and wealth and power. And he comes to Jesus. But notice he came at night. <laughs> I'm going to slip in. I want to find out. I- I've listened to Jesus. There's something there. I want to know more. He comes at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. He's like, hey, we, we've all talked in the Sanhedrin. We've got 70 guys. We have our club. And we've all talked. And we, we know there's something different about you. But notice Nicodemus is the only one who came. <laughs> we'll all talk about it. But, but Nicodemus knew there was something missing in religion. There was something missing in the laws. There was something missing. And he wanted what that was. Here's what I love about Nicodemus. And guys, I don't want us to miss this. If you have questions, ask. All right, Nicodemus came to Jesus. Uh, sometimes I've been with people and they'll go, well, I don't want to ask this because I don't want it to look like, you know, I don't know. And maybe I should know this about the Bible or maybe this is, a, this is not a good question. This is a dumb question. You're like, no, we're all here to learn, right? We're all here wanting to know God more. We're all here wanting to grow in our faith. If you have questions, ask. That's why I'm so passionate about getting in a community group, being in a, a small group, being in a men's study or a Bible study for women or, or someplace or emailing or calling or just saying, hey, I have this question. I don't know, but I want to know. What happens so often is we worry about what other people think, don't we? Well, I don't want to ask this because I don't want it to appear that I don't know. What are we doing? We're putting the emphasis on everybody around us. I don't want them to think about me. No, what God is saying is, ask me. <laughs> God's going, I love that you're coming with a question. I love that you're coming with a worry. I love that you're coming with a fear. I love that you want to know and you want to grow. Good job. And so here's Nicodemus going, you know what? I'm going to break away from the status quo, and I want to find out. There's something missing in me. I want to know what it is. He comes to Jesus. And in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, maybe you've heard that saying a lot when you were growing up, you know, be born again, born again. You're like, where'd that come from? It came right here from Jesus. Jesus was talking about that. And Nicodemus, you could see, you know, just kind of turning in his mind in verse 4. He says, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Nicodemus is still working on the physical. Jesus has moved to the spiritual. (laughs) Notice that? Nicodemus is still on the physical going, hey, I don't get it. How am I going to be born again? I can't go back into my mom. That's weird. I I can't do that, you know? And Jesus is like, no, you're missing it. This spiritual. You've already been born physically. All of us, we've already been born physically. Check, okay? Now he's talking about spiritually. We were dead in our sins and our transgressions, the Bible says. Until we were made alive in Christ. So he's moved this to a spiritual conversation. See, Jesus didn't come to fix us. A lot of times we think Jesus came to fix us, right? I'm I'm a good person. Just make a little tweak here or there, Jesus, and I'll be okay. No, Jesus came to make us new. (laughs) Jesus came to make us new. New in him, forgiven, redeemed, restored. So Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now notice what he's saying, right? There is a spiritual transformation that must take place in you. And it's what God does. It's not just the physical, it's the spiritual. 
born of the Spirit, when you and I recognize our need for Christ, when we repent of our sins, as God draws us to himself, God changes us from the inside out. But then also born of what? Water. What is that? Baptism. Baptism is an outward expression of our faith in Christ. Right? We're dying to our old way of life, just like God's done in our hearts, and being raised to walk in a new life. Now, we don't believe that baptism is salvific, essential to your salvation, but it is an outward manifestation of what God's already done in your heart. It's saying, hey, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus. He's changed me from the inside out. So Jesus says, you got to be born of the water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He goes, Nicodemus, listen, you're trying to figure this whole thing out, right? You're trying to understand this. But let me just tell you, here's the comparison between the wind and the Spirit. He goes, Nicodemus, have you figured out the wind? You know where it comes from? You know where it's going? You know how it works? But do you doubt the wind? No. Why? Because you can feel the wind, right? You can watch the wind bend a tree. You can watch the wind knock over a tree. You can see the powerful effects of the wind. He goes, so it is with the Spirit. The Spirit of God. It's by faith, Nicodemus. You trust, but God's Spirit will come in. God's Spirit will change you. God's Spirit will transform. God's Spirit is moving. There is a physical world and there is a spiritual world, Nicodemus. It's by faith. Well, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? He's like, oh, Nicodemus, come on. He is God, right? There is a spiritual world. You're over here teaching rules. You're over here teaching regulations. God's calling you in the spirit, not just rules and regulations, not just ritual. God's calling you to a relationship. And it's only God. See, it's only God who can change a heart. It's only God who can redeem. It's only God who can restore. He's like, Nicodemus, it's about him. I, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. Jesus talked about him and the disciples. And we testify to what we've seen. But you, still you people, do not accept our testimony. He's like, you guys, you're still over in the Sanhedrin. You're still in the rules. The rules are a framework that were given, but it was given to point you to me. <laughs> I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Now, guys, this is so important. Because what Jesus is saying is, guys, don't just settle for an intellectual discussion. You have to experience new life. And when you begin to experience new life, right, as God draws you to himself and you begin this journey with him, he says, you then begin to understand heavenly things. You then begin to understand the deeper things of God. And isn't that true? How many times have you been in a Bible study and you're like, oh, wow, I never saw that before. You're like, maybe I've studied this passage before, but I never saw that. Why? Because the Spirit starts to open your eyes. The Spirit starts to reveal things to you. And you go, oh, that makes sense. I've read this verse 20 times, but now this makes sense. Or you're in a certain season of life. 
Maybe it's a tough season or a hard season. In a verse now, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's what God's saying. Thank you, God. And that verse just ministers to you. That verse just speaks to your heart. It brings comfort. It brings peace. Why? Because you have a relationship with God. And God is opening your spiritual eyes. He's saying, Nicodemus, hey, this is just the beginning. There is so much more that I want to teach you. There's so much more that you will see me do. He says, come on. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He goes, I've been in heaven. (laughs) I know the spiritual. I know what it means. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, back when the children of Israel were in the desert, you remember God provided manna? What is this? The nourishment for them? What else lives in a desert? Snakes, okay? That's bad. You don't like snakes, okay? So they're out in the desert, and snakes come out, and snakes represent evil, right? And they begin to bite the people. And God says to Moses, hey, make the image of a snake, put it on a stand, and hold it up. And when people look at the snake, the image there, they will be healed, and the snakes will flee. They'll run away. All of that was a precursor to Christ. See what he's saying here? When the Son of Man nailed to a cross lifted up and people look to the son of man they're healed and the evil flees all of that was setting the stage for christ all the old testament is pointing us to jesus the fulfillment of the law and then we come to verse 16 and you guys this is the most famous verse in all the bible you go to sporting events and people with rainbow hair holding up signs, John 3, 16. And, you know, everybody in here probably has heard this verse or knows this verse. But I want you to listen to this verse and understand the context. He's speaking to this one guy, and he gives the essence of the gospel right here. For God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. <laughs> And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Guys, listen today with fresh ears. Hear this today. For God so loved the world. God took the initiative. God came to us when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. When we had no help or no hope, God came to us. For God so loved the world. Now, you can just take the world out right there and put your name in. Just like he's talking to Nicodemus. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. That he gave his one and only son. Any parent here, you'll give a lot of things, won't you? I mean, you'll give people money. If somebody's desperate, you'll give them your car. You would even give away your house, you know. But your child, that's a whole other level. But God knew there had to be a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus came and he lived 33 sinless years and he was nailed to a cross, which is where you and I should have been. God gave his one and only. And whoever, and I, I love that. I love that, whoever. Not just you, Nicodemus, because you're wealthy or successful. Or not just you because you've been around religion. 
rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, male, female, which was radical back in that day. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Guys, never lose the power of the gospel. Eternal life, I mean, you think about that. Because there are a lot of world religions that would say God is unknowable, that would say God is unpleasable. But, but you know what this tells us is that God loves you so much he wants to spend eternity with you. You can have peace with God. You know what this tells us too is that we can have peace with other people. I mean, if God will forgive us our worst possible sins, can't we forgive others? Can't we be gracious and generous with others? It allows us to have peace with our own hearts, right? I mean, if God's gonna take care of eternity for us, do we think that there's anything too big for him in our lives right now? I mean, if God's gonna take care of the biggest thing out there, don't you think that God can handle all the things that we face in our day to day? That we can trust him? That he is with us? That he is for us? That he loves us. Verse 17 is just as powerful. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God didn't just send Jesus to condemn. God sent Jesus to save, to redeem, to restore. God sees people as, not as objects of wrath, but he sees people as objects of redemption and mercy and grace. Praise God. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, Nicodemus. Listen, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name, name above all names, of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Have you ever noticed how if you're getting ready to sin many times, you want it to be in the dark? We want it to be covered up. We don't want people to know. See, that light exposes the dark. The light brings it all out. Now there's forgiveness and there's grace, but there's some people who, as Jesus said, they, they love the dark. Everyone who does, not, who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. What does that mean? That means your life becomes a living testimony to God. It means that the way you live and the fruit you bear. See, Jesus didn't come just for information. Jesus came so that we would have transformation, that our lives would look different, that we would bear fruit, that we would represent God on this earth, that we would be the hands and feet of Christ. Nicodemus, you know the next time we see him? John chapter seven. And in John chapter seven, at the end of John chapter seven, it tells us that they sent temple guards over to arrest Jesus because he was teaching in the temple. And the temple guards go over the Sanhedrin, those 70 men, 
you know, all the religion there. And they sent these temple guards over there to arrest Jesus. And the temple guards come back and they go, man, that guy's incredible. We were hearing his teaching. And they're like, do you believe too? Go arrest him. And Nicodemus stands up in the end of John 7 and in front of the whole Sanhedrin. He says, hey, does the law condemn somebody without us being willing to hear him? And you could see the seed of the gospel that was planted in Nicodemus starting to bear fruit. You know, when you're willing to stand up, you know, in your family and with your friends or at work, you start to say, hey, wait, there's more. There's something different about Jesus. And I'm going to stand up for him. You know, the next time we see Nicodemus, it's at the cross. And when everybody fled because they were scared, that the Romans were going to have them arrested and killed too. Nicodemus is there. And with this other guy, Joseph of Arimathea, who was also wealthy back in this day, they take down Jesus' body. And the Bible tells us that they had a hundred pounds of myrrh and spices and anointed Jesus' body. And just the generosity that welled up. And Jesus was placed in a tomb, but that tomb couldn't hold him, could it? Oh, that tomb was a temporary home. It wasn't a permanent home. Three days he was there. And then after those three days, he burst forth. Jesus is alive. Legend has it that Nicodemus was baptized by Peter and John and became a leader in the early church. You see, the fact is this. Sometimes we just want to stick to religion. We, we like the laws, right, because they're safe. We kind of know the plan. We know I can do this and I get a check mark. And, and I like religion. And Nicodemus could have stuck with it, man. He was all into religion. He was all into the laws. But he knew there was something more. He knew that God was doing something bigger. He knew it had to move the 18 inches from the head to the heart. Has it for you? It's one thing to know the gospel. It's another thing to believe it and to live it. It's like learning to dance, right? You can spend all your time memorizing the steps and you got one, two, one, two, and you can spend all your time and you can just stay focused on that. But the why do you have the dance steps? To give you a framework to dance. And so at some point you learn those dance steps so that you can be with your partner whom you love and you can start to move around a dance floor and not even think about the steps because you're living it and enjoying it and experiencing it. That's the gospel. Jesus came not to abolish it but to fulfill it and say, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not just intellectually, that's important. It's great to learn, it's great to know, but at some point it moves here. I love C.S. Lewis. And in the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, you remember Chronicles of Narnia? And, and C.S. Lewis uses a lion to describe Jesus, the lion of Judah. And this guy had a roaring, ferocious lion and called Aslan. And Lucy, this little girl, comes up and says, A lion! A lion! Is he safe? And the beaver goes, oh, no, he's not safe. But he is good. <laughs> he is good. That's what Jesus has come for us. He's come for us and to us.
so that we can know a God who loves us. Recently, I was with a friend of mine and his dad's 86 years old. And he was so excited. He was telling me about when they were in the car together a couple of years ago. And he said, my dad, you know, grew up going to mass and he was always, you know, kind of at church. But he said there was never any joy in his life. And he was just a hardworking, hard man. And he said, you know, I gave my life to Christ when I was in my 20s. And he said, my dad and I, we've kind of been on separate pages. And he said, but I've always prayed for him. And we were driving in the car. And I finally just looked at him and I said, Dad, I got to tell you, I'm glad you've gone to church and I'm glad you've done those things. But, but it's not about religion. <laughs> it's about a relationship with God through Jesus. And I said, Jesus came for you. And he wants you to know that. And he wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to restore you. He wants to make you new. He said, Dad, look at me. My life has changed. And you've always wondered why. Hey, I want to tell you, it's Jesus. He said, I just talked to her for about 15 minutes. And my dad sat there and he was just quiet. And he wasn't saying anything. And then finally after about 15 minutes and I'm just praying and I'm talking and I'm telling him, look at my life. And I'm saying all this. And and finally he just hits his hand on the dashboard. He says, why hasn't anybody told me this before? That's what I want. And we said, we pulled over to the side. My dad right there just gave his life to Christ and prayed. And I was like, yeah. You know, for all of us, there comes this moment, right? Where it becomes about our relationship with God through Jesus. And not just what everybody else around us says. Or not just what our friends say. Or not even just being at church. I mean, I'm glad you're at church. But being at church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in a garage makes you a car. It's good that you're here, but there comes a time that God changes you. You are born again. And you say, God, forgive me, redeem me, and restore me. And then you begin to live it. You begin to dance. You begin to follow. You begin to trust. And you don't ever go back to that stale, legalistic life. You live the life of adventure that God called you and created you to live. And you fall more in love with him. And you study this out of a relationship about how God wants you to live. And it becomes a joyful journey. Where are you today? Are you on that journey? Is there joy in your life? Is there hope? Is there purpose? Are you living it all for the glory of God? Because I pray that the rest of your life, I pray that it will be the best of your life. But it all comes in Jesus. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service, and we want to encourage you to reflect on today's message throughout the week. Here at Rolling Hills, our goal is to raise up a community of disciples to be the hands and feet of Christ, and we hope that you will partner with us in doing so. How do you do that? Well, here are several ways. First, join us every Sunday, either online or at one of our physical locations. Join us as we worship our God and learn more about Him and His plan for us. Second, get connected. Check out our Next Steps page on the site to find out how you can engage with us further by serving or joining a community group. And lastly, we want to invite you to partner with us financially. You can do that online through the giving section of our site. All tithes and offerings go to support our ministries both locally and internationally, enabling us to impact lives and share God's Word. Again, we are so glad you joined us today. Have a great week.